When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulet Brothers, Creatures of the Night. Welcome, Misfits, Mutants, and Miscreants, to another spine-tingling episode of the Boulet Brothers' Creatures of the Night. I am your ghost host, Jack Morta, and joining me, as always, is my other half and the enchantress of ensorcelment herself, Swan Thula. Swan, <laughs> how are you feeling today? Oh, I was already doing very well. By now, I'm doing oh so much better with that usage of the word ensorcelment <laughs> in reference to me. It's giving me very Zelda vibes, as you know, that little <laughs> enchantress that lives inside of me. But I'm great, and I'm really happy to be doing another episode of Creatures of the Night. As am I. Uh, we actually have a lot to cover, so I think we should get right to it. Of course. Before we move on to our next topic, I want to welcome our co-host, Ian DeVogler, to the show. Ian, darling, welcome back. Oh, I'm so very happy to be here for this <laughs> Halloween episode of Creatures of the Night. <laughs> You've been practicing that yes. one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have my plastic fangs in. I got a little blood out. I was like, yes. ooh, girl. I think when this episode gets released, it'll be like one day until October. So I'm just officially calling it like, it Halloween, Mama. Get ready. It do be Halloween. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Ian, the reason we brought you in a little early is because we wanted to chat here on the air about our first trip to an amusement park haunt since Halloween of 2019. <gasps> <gasps> So for those of you at home who may not know, our operations are based here in Southern California. And in Southern California, Halloween is a huge deal. The big amusement parks here hold these elaborate Halloween-themed haunts where they transform their parks into huge horror-themed attractions through September and October, and they open them at night on the weekends. Just this last weekend, the three of us and a few other people from the show went to our first haunt of the season, and the haunt was Knott's Scary Farms. <laughs> so I thought it'd be fun to give Knott's a quick review, so let's talk about our adventure. Actually, first, before we begin... I want to put out this candy corn for you oh. all to eat and light this Halloween candle to get you in the mood. So hold on a okay, second. Let's okay, let's get quickly have Jack a second because she's right. going to go grab the candy corn. And let's talk about candy corn for a minute because I don't think I'm the only one to think like when I was a child, 
candy corn was like the bottom of the barrel. It was like an F. Like when, <gasps> when you went through the candy, it was like, ah, candy corn, throw it over your shoulder, throw it in the trash. See, I, no? I a hundred percent respect your opinion on this one because I truly believe that it is bottom of the barrel garbage candy, mm-hmm. but I fucking love it. Okay, I so love it. <laughs> there's an evolution here because it's like an acquired taste. It's like an adult taste. Cause now I kind of love the candy corn and, we, we've started. Yes. Oh, here it is. Oh my God. Literally. <laughs> I wish that people could see this. Drac has brought in a fucking platter of candy corn. And for those of you that don't know, Drac is a candy corn queen. She's also a, like a platter and display case queen. Like mm. as the seasons change, the platters and serving trays and cake dishes and all the little, you know, nick, 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 things that you put the little <laughs> candies in, like they all come out, they match the season. And this candy corn platter is no exception. So I'm going to have a little taste. Oh, well, also, uh, Drac has lit a black candle. What is the scent of this candle? The scent of this candle is... Suntal. I bought that for her. Oh, okay. There. House of intuition. Back to knots. Yes. So, okay. What did you all think of this year's iteration of Not Scary Farms? I will say overall, I love knots. I love knots. No one can tell me wrong about it. Like again, kind of with the candy corn, like I feel like there is a certain element of no shade, not at all to knots. Like there is kind of a like a homegrown element to knots. It's not super scary. It's not the most polished event in the world, but it is so magical. And I think part of that, to get really sappy here, Scorpio, part of that was being there with like the two of you and with our other friends, like going out and experiencing knots together. I was like, oh my God, outside fall with my friends? Wow. So good. I know. I also love knots. It can kind of do no wrong. Actually, that's not true. Oh, I, there's wi- a couple I wish that they would change up oh, some like, of their- I can't do no wrong. Their haunts, <laughs> some of them are really tired because we go every year. So, mm-hmm. you know, they tend to rotate them, but I think they need to rotate them a little more frequently because I've seen some of them like over and over to the point where I'm like, Oh, they changed that. Oh, that's a different color. Oh, they moved that into this maze instead of the other maze where I've seen it five times already. I agree with you. A lot of the mazes have been revamped this year, which I personally really enjoy. And I think that was actually one of like the highlights for me. But I think that some of them need less revamping and more just like bulldoze it and change it. Like a total facelift. Yeah. Well, look, on that note, how do you think it compared to years past? Well, I think this year had a special quality to it because we were starved of the experience last year. You Mm -hmm. know, so... Just walking around Knott's, and for those of you that don't know, Knott's Berry Farm has like kind of like a Western, deserty sort of like turn of the century feel, which it really lends itself to Halloween. They call it like Calico something, Calico Town. Or- yeah, so there's like the general store and like a, a mine and like the water flume mountains, and it's very kind of like a country adjacent vibe. They take the time and the painstaking effort to like just put pumpkins and hay all over, even in places that don't get a lot of like attention necessarily. So you can be walking down a weird little twisted, dimly lit path and just look to the left or to the right. And there might be like pumpkin effigies and just all enveloping. It really is like an experience. So because we didn't get that last year, even the littlest bit, like the little throwaway decorations, I was like, oh, I love that. Oh my God, I love Halloween. I love fall. I miss all of this. And I was just super happy to be back at Knott's. I'll agree with that. I think that overall it was fun because we didn't get to do any of the haunts last Mm -hmm. year. Knott's is always, you know, it's never... I don't want to say it's never scary because the first time I went there, I was on edge because I hadn't been to anything like that before. And I was yeah. like, okay, there's people like, mm-hmm. like within the first 10 minutes of being in the park, there were people jumping out at us oh, yeah. and you were like trying to have your coffee and people were like fucking scaring <laughs> it out of your hand and shit. And I was like, I'm into this because that's yeah. the first time I've experienced something like that. Oh yeah. Now, 
since then, <laughs> it has definitely lost its scare factor. I still love it, but I kind of know now because yeah. they don't change it up. So you know you're like, okay, that's the scare zone. That's where someone's going to come sliding out mm-hmm. of the darkness at me. Yeah, I'm safe over here. The first time I went, I didn't know where we were safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, if I'm eating, are they going to jump out and scare me and make me throw my food? Which I like that anxiety. It, totally. It's that vulnerability. And, and listen, coming from people who have done Halloween, sometimes in the same space for a decade, you got to change it around. Like yeah. bring yeah. people in on the other side of park, change the entranceway, like mm-hmm. relocate your scare zones and your fog machine so that people get attacked. You know, for those of you that don't know who have never been to something like this, like it's not just when you're in the mazes mm-hmm. where you might get scared because there are scare actors roaming the park and it's all thematic. So there's like the carnival section of the park where there's like killer clowns running all around. And then there's like an old Western kind of undead, the ghost town and like, super foggy to the point where you couldn't even see in front of your face just as you're walking down a random part of the park and people are there to scare the shit out of you. And it is awesome. But if they switched it up, you wouldn't know to expect, oh, this is going to happen to me here or there. (laughs) Sorry, there is something I want to add just as a recommendation to Not Scary Farms, which is, A, if people buy the skeleton key, right? And they, they even call it the skeleton key. Yeah, maybe it's not. If if, if The fast pass or whatever. If you spend the million dollars to get the Fright Lane stuff, they should give you the skeleton key like they used to. I 100% agree. And this goes into when I peel back the kind of sentimental subjective layers, like objectively, the experience is probably like a six and a half, seven out of 10. Like a bunch of years past, they used to give you a physical key to enter like secret rooms in the right. haunts. And it was like a very, very VIP feeling experience. And they had these mazes, one specifically that I will never forget was called Trick or Treat. And the first year that we went, they gave you these flashlights and the maze is completely dark. The only way to navigate the maze is with your own flashlight that also goes to UV sometimes. And it really just fucked with my head going through it. They have since done away with that maze. I don't know why. All of the mazes are pretty copy paste a little bit. So my first suggestion is bring back the skeleton key. Mm -hmm. My second suggestion is when you first walked in and this is maybe the year we went before you got here. They had like a huge DJ over the gates and it was a big dramatic thing. Like when you walked up, you were like, oh, I'm about to walk into some shit, you know? There was a huge facade at the front gates of Knott's. So when you approached visually and then there was an audio component because the DJ was blaring like this crazy Halloween music. There were like other people that loved Halloween around you all waiting in the huge lines and it seeped into you before you even crossed the threshold to get into Knott's. They also had packed all of the areas with things. So there was this area that was all these like fortune teller carts and werewolves mixed into it. And it was just like every single inch had entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing some of that disappearing. Maybe it's kind of because of COVID. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I'm willing to give it a little bit of the COVID pass because unfortunately, a lot of the rides were not operational. I don't know if that's because of COVID or because of it being so early in the season. But my favorite ride, I was literally in the car like a fucking kid being like, I can't wait to ride this ride. And then we got there and it was shut down. I was like, great. Okay. <laughs> well, my favorite ride was not shut down and we rode it with you. And then when you guys went home a little too early, if you ask me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Me, Drac, and our other friend, we went on it again, which is Ghost Rider. Because Ghost Rider is an old, wooden, classic roller coaster. That runs at night with no lights. Yeah. It's not like one of those, like, you know, little loop coasters or like a crazy stand-up thing that where you're suspended and it's over in like 10 seconds. I mean, this is like, we were trying to guess, like, this is like a full minute of what feels like a million miles an hour 
Get your ass kicked only the way an old wooden coaster can do to you. It's so fast. It's so amazing. And it it just, by the end, everyone is laughing. You're like, go again, go again. It's so good. God, I love the Ghost Rider. And you need to go to a chiropractor afterwards. That's the other part of it. (laughs) Oh, well, speaking of going to a chiropractor, my favorite ride is definitely the Pony Express. Uh. Uh, I feel like we've talked about the Pony Express on the podcast. Maybe it was the last Halloween episode. For those of you that don't know, the Pony Express, it's basically themed like you're, I guess, a fucking mail carrier or something, but you're riding a horse. The coaster is like you're sitting, like straddling, almost kind of like a motorcycle or a horse. And then the pad like pushes into your lower back and puts you in this really inappropriate feeling like back arched, like pussy out kind of thing. (laughs) And then they come by, they test it on you. And the second that it goes, it lurches you forward that one last, I'm like, oh, I am, I'm in this mama. (laughs) It's awesome. The Power Bottom Express is, I think, what they call it. Mm -hmm. Ride Um, that pony. For each of you, what was your favorite Maze of the Haunt this year? The one that I actually was looking forward to the least, only because I was like, God, this again, going back to like them needing to change things out. While we were waiting in line, we got the news that like this is the last year that Paranormal Inc. was going to be at Not. So, and I was like, yes, thank God, get her out of here. But then lo and behold, like they've streamlined it and they switched it up a little bit. Like, Paranormal Inc. is actually like a really fun kind of like scripted experience. And it ended up being my favorite haunt of the night. Nice. Yeah, I I agree. I think that Paranormal Inc. was awesome. It got a really great facelift. And that's one of the things that I liked kind of overall was the additions of like new stuff. My favorite maze was definitely, and this is a really weird one. I would never have guessed this would be it. I really love the pumpkin eater this year. Yeah. Like it was the first year that I had actually listened to the audio that kind of explains why the fuck you're in a giant pumpkin or whatever. And they also added new sections to it. I was like, oh, this went from like a two to a seven, which I love a glow up. Hmm. Yeah. I think I like the Calico Origins because I love all that history. And so it's like, it tells the story of- oh, that is a good one. Yeah, it tells the story of like the Calico Witch and the whole story of Not Scary Farms and all that. So I think that was my favorite. My least favorite, I'm going to go with probably Paranormal Inc. Ooh, Because I'm fight. over it. I have been over it for two years, three years maybe. You know, I think it deserved one year and I'm done. Mm. My least favorite is kind of a weird pick. Again, there's a new maze this year called Mesmer, and it is definitely expensive looking. Like the props and kind of just the way that it's designed, it looks very nice, but I feel like they try to basically put you in the sense of like, oh, madness. And like, you know, you're losing your mind as you go through this thing and you're looking at all these carnies and they're all fucked up and crazy. And I'm like, this is like bottom of the barrel madness for me. I'm like, put some slanted walls in here, like make me go upside down, make me crawl on the floor, like do some shit to actually fuck with my head. Don't just tell me I'm going crazy. I'm already there. Sure, yeah. you're trying to go to Universal Studios. <laughs> I'm trying to make our own haunts. Yeah, I'm trying, trying to, do. to go to Universal what is it, Halloween <laughs> nights. <laughs> you pay double and there's a reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm not really into like least favorites, but the nightmare that haunted me the most <laughs> was the fact that my fast pass really wasn't that fast because mm, so many people, I don't know if it was like more people than not got the fast pass this year or they're just like rusty because we haven't had not scary farm in two years, but it wasn't moving fast enough because normally you invest in the fast pass and it's worth every penny. 
Okay, well, for those of you who want to know more about Not Scary Farms, the park will be the topic of this episode's Haunting of History, so stay tuned to hear more about that later. For now, Ian, why don't you fill us all in on what's been happening in the world of Hollywood and horror? After months and months, 10 months to be exact, of agonizing waiting filled with bright colors and cheery summertime Marthas, a.k.a. sorority sisters, go try Delt, October has finally arrived, and Mama, I am in full Samhain celebration Martha mode here at Creatures of the Night, ready to bring a little blight to the season, starting with a journey from Haddonfield, Illinois, on the silver screen, to Tricks and Treats IRL on tonight's current events. Starting with terrors on screen, the Halloween Kills promotion machine keeps pushing towards their highly anticipated release with brand new ads showcasing Haddonfield's favorite returning real housewife gracing TV screens this week. The two TV spots show off some new footage, as well as some previously shown clips with new added context, giving both Halloween and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills superfans something to rejoice over. Based on the footage, it seems like, at least to me, Kyle Richards' part in the film is going to be much larger than previously thought. And also, as of this week, listeners who are eagerly awaiting the film's October 15th release will now have the option to watch the film via universal streaming service Peacock if a trip to the theater seems like too much real-world terror. Despite director David Gordon Green's earlier comments regarding the non-existent possibility of a Halloween Kills streaming release, it seems like the dual theatrical plus streaming model has been successful enough that Universal will be inviting Jamie Lee Curtis's wig into your homes come October 15th. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody loves and appreciates a wig invitation. True. Obviously, Halloween season and October in general is the most wonderful time of the year for horror lovers, but a large part of that dark magic comes from the fact that scares and spirits don't just exist on screen this month, with tangible terrors teasing at the edge of your vision right here in the real world. Multiple brands are getting in on the Halloween fun early this year, trying to get those dark-sided coins. To list a few notable nightmares, Build-A-Bear, the mall shop where people can design and stuff their own teddy bears and teddy bear-adjacent toys, not to be confused with my recently rejected business proposal for a Frankenstein-esque lab full of hot, hairy guys, is debuting a brand new Beetlejuice bear. This new Ghost with the Most branded bear is complete with ghostly white fur, green hair, and Beetlejuice's signature suit to ensure the spookiest of snuggles. Now, I love Beetlejuice. I've said it before and I know I'll say it again. I love Beetlejuice. But I have never understood Build-A-Bear. Me neither. That came up when I was like a mall kid. And even then I was kind of like, this seems a little strange. Like last year? Yeah, literally, (laughs) like before we went to Knott's. (laughs) I think it just becomes a drug repository, right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Listen, the number of times that I have shoved drugs up a bear's ass, like in Build-A-Bear, out of Build-A-Bear, like, girl. Jack says shit like this when we go to, like, a Korean barbecue. You're like, I'm not going to Build-A-Bear. I just want a present. I don't want to go to work and have to do something to get to the present. Oh, yeah, like when you go to a Korean barbecue and and they make you cook. I want to have dinner tonight. And they're like, well, here are your utensils and your raw meat. Now go cook it. What is this slab of raw meat? Like, I have to cook? (laughs) I would have stayed home if I had to do this. That's the same with Build-A-Bear. You have to be... Come in here and build your own toy. What? Mm. I'm going to start a new drag night where I charge everyone $50 and then I'm going to let them put on the drag show. (laughs) Wait, that already happens, doesn't it? That's like a tip gig. (laughs) Wow. Another brand, IHOP, is undergoing a Halloween rebrand for the month of October with a brand new menu featuring fall and Halloween themed items. Bring it. I want to hear this. Oh, girl, get ready. (laughs) Is it the buffet? It's not. I love this. It's not really a pun, but Halloween themed items will be on display for their first ever international 
haunted house of pancakes. Yes. For the international <laughs> haunted, haunted house, house of darling. pancakes, darling. <laughs> and don't you forget it. She is the mother of the house of international pancakes. <laughs> wow. That used to be our discussion when we would go to brunch (laughs) in WeHo. Oh, yeah. Well, finally, Temptations Cat Treats has also announced two new flavors of, you guessed it, cat treats to coincide with the season with the amazingly named Tasty Human flavor and their new creepy catnip, along with an ad that references a study conducted in 2014 that showed that cats would more than likely try to eat you if they were larger and didn't have to depend on you for basic needs. Personally, I love shit like this. I know it's just capitalism reskinned to sell products, but damn temptations, you really know how to keep my spooky pussy pleased. I need to proofread this shit before he comes out here. (laughs) I'm all for people capitalizing on Halloween because that just means we see more Halloween everywhere, which puts it in people's minds. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked recently about like where we grew up. They were not into Halloween. That yeah. was like during the satanic panic. Like and they the were like, you're going to put it's the devil stuff and rock and roll. And you're going to put razors in our little kids. It's all about these kids, our kids. And it was horrible. <laughs> they just ruined Halloween. And then they acted like it didn't exist. You had to work really hard if you wanted to get your Halloween on at all. Like in any way. Like I had to even convince my family. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, while well, I'm celebrating alone in my basement all month before it was like trick-or-treat time i reminded my entire town that halloween was real and valid and there's no length that we won't go to until halloween takes up as much real estate on the calendar as christmas it's uh, our job yes absolutely it's what we do it's what it's we what live we for <laughs> well as the mothers of the international haunted house of pancakes <laughs> you got to <laughs> well ian thank you for those updates We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to be diving into this episode's Creature Feature Movie Review. Stay tuned. Attention, misfits, mutants, and outcasts. The Boulay Brothers want you to join the cult now by visiting BoulayBrothersDragula.com, where everything from the world of the Boulay Brothers can be found. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter for insider updates, learn more about upcoming projects, and access tons of Boulay Brothers and Boulay Brothers Dragula exclusive merchandise. Visit us now at BoulayBrothersDragula.com. Do it or die. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to this episode's Creature Feature Movie Review. For this episode's movie review, we'll be discussing director James Wan's newest release, Malignant. Malignant is a story of a woman who becomes paralyzed by fear from shocking visions who, as her torment worsens, discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. All right, so lots of listeners ask us to review this film, so here we are. Yeah, they really did. I mm-hmm. don't think there's been a movie that I can think of in the history of Creatures of the Night that we've gotten called out specifically to review more than this one, Malignant. It's yeah. a very polarizing movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. People either love it or they hate it. Yeah. And I think it's really funny to see people who hate it <laughs> and know that they just don't get it. A hundred percent. That's exactly the crux, right? When I was watching it and as it was unfolding, I'm like, okay, this is definitely like a love-hate movie. You know, it's one or the other. And I think it comes down to like, do you get it or not? Yeah. Even though for a minute I was like, wait, is there anything to actually get? Is this just kind of like 
bad. An obvious plot <laughs> with mediocre acting and like, you know, just high melodrama and camp. Or were we to believe that all of that stuff like kind of had a purpose? There was a method to the madness. And once I decided for myself that it was absolutely door number two, mm-hmm. I really fell in love with Malignant. Well, I officially give this movie... Drac Morda's Weirdest Movie of the Year Award. <laughs> oh my God. Congratulations. <laughs> because it is. It is the weirdest. Like, so when I started watching it, I was like, I was looking at her and I was like, this movie sucks. And I was like, are you kidding? I was like, something's happening. I was like, what is wrong with this movie? Because the acting is like. Mm-hmm. Level 10. Yeah. It's like kind of like a lifetime movie of the. Yeah. I was like, like what? Melodrama. Really yeah, melodrama is the yeah. perfect word for it. I'm also gonna I'm gonna put my little crown on for this one. Like when I saw the trailer for this movie the first time, there was something about it that I was like, I want to fucking see this movie. And there were a couple of shots in the trailer that I was like, something is telling me that there's more than meets the eye. Because even the trailer is like, okay, bad dialogue, bad acting, just generic looking killer. I'm like, what is the point? But then they had these shots, which in the film they also do these like they'll flip the camera and it'll be like a vertical dollhouse view of the house. One of my favorite scenes, by the way. The camera work is so interesting. Oh my god, so brilliant. And I feel like I mean I'm kind of jumping all over, but I truly hope that if anything happens from Malignant coming out, I'm like, I hope that more directors take more risks and just be experimental and have fun because the camera work in this movie, the lighting in this movie is just so fun to fucking look at. It is. The whole movie is campy and ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So if you're at home and you watch this and you're like, what are they talking about? What is there to get this movie just suck? You know, it's on purpose. Yeah, It's supposed to be campy. It's supposed to be ridiculous. That's the whole point of it. It's supposed to probably even not make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, well, there's two things that kind of keyed me into that. One was there's a pan back shot of the house that they kind of constantly go back to. And I was like, this could not be a more classic, like haunted house on the hill with like the clouds in the background. I was like, oh, my God, this is just like a fucking love letter to horror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing is on kind of the crew side of things. The film was written by James Wan and another writer named Ingrid Bijou, who plays the coroner in the film. So I'm like, okay, you have one of the lead actors is also the writer of this movie. Her character is total comic relief. I'm like, y'all know exactly what you're doing. Like, this is high camp on purpose. Yeah, it played on like almost every trope you could think of when it comes to horror. And it played it up like to the nines. Like there's a moment where Emily May (laughs) slash Madison, the main character, she's like, talking to her little sister and of course she has like a mysterious past she can't remember anything (laughs) before she was adopted at age eight but they don't you know her little sister at the moment didn't know that she was adopted she looks over she's like i'm adopted (laughs) and you're like holy (laughs) shit are we supposed to take this seriously but it was like such a brilliant moment totally i feel like there is that and there's also my favorite line is again kind of like the i'm adopted thing where she's talking to her sister and it's like why does this mean so much she goes all I've ever wanted was a blood connection with someone. I'm like, no one in the history of forever has ever said that about having a baby. It kind of reminded me of like Frankenhooker or the reanimator, but it yeah. also felt 90s, right? It felt kind of mid 90s to mm-hmm. me too. Because yeah. the way it was filmed and the acting and even the beginning of it, like the graphics and everything, I was like, this movie looks cheap and old. I love the cheapness of it. I love the oldness of it. And I have been fucking cracking myself up all week because mom has been going back to the gym and I did a leg day and I was walking like, you know, all fucking bow legged from if you ever go to the gym, you walk at that. And my arms were pinned back because I had done a back day. I was like, bitch, I'm out here walking like Gabriel going to the store buying toilet paper. Like, Funny about the, you mentioned the movement because the antagonist Gabriel, the, the killer in this movie moves in such a kind of strange otherworldly way and you find out why by the end of the film but 
kind of like halfway through. I don't remember if I whispered over to you, Drac, or not, but certainly in my mind, I was like, this killer reminds me of Vander, Vander Von Odd. Oh yeah, and totally. It, I'm going back to like the zombie challenge of season one where I'm like, no one moves like mm-hmm. you. I've never seen any performer move quite like you did. Cause it's almost like one of those like wind things, you know, outside of like car dealerships and stuff <laughs> where they move like such a snaky pretzel kind of thing. And like this character really moved like that. And it was evocative of Vander for sure. You know, also, like you said, there was a lot of really interesting camera work mm-hmm. too. There was a lot of like, you know, colorful lights and kind of Ugh. giallo influence. Yeah. So it was kind of beautiful, even though it was a little goofy. <laughs> yeah. Well, even like talking about kind of the giallo influences of it after we watched Dress to Kill, I went back and I like looked into it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is like American Giallo and just kind of all the themes that go with it. And even thinking about this movie, I'm like, okay, so we've got right off the bat, we have people being total pieces of shit to women. Great. We have like a killer with a knife who is shrouded with a mask. We have these color washes. I'm like, oh my God, like we're seeing a return to these sorts of like 70s, 80s Italian kind of like sensibilities. I heard someone else say that they thought like thematically that that was present through the rest of the movie. I personally didn't see that, but the color washes. Are you talking about the like misogyny? Yeah, I just the cut like the whole way the movie was put together. I was like, "Mm, that's a little bit of a stretch, but sure. I think just kind of in that moment and then also the like main character with a dark secret and then who is the killer? That kind of like mystery element, which I also really loved. Like I... And I, I don't know if we're going to do spoilers in this one. I kind of want to do like a big spoiler alert, but I, I'll let y'all take the reins on that. Because there's one moment where something happens and my wig fucking evaporated. I was like, oh. Okay, let's talk about the gags for a minute because this movie threw left hooks and super curve balls like almost constantly. And once it started rolling, it was like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, they yeah. just kept coming and coming because there's a gag in this film that really just gooped me like <laughs> I, mean, I was literally like my eyeballs just couldn't must have been as huge as saucers <laughs> i couldn't believe what i was seeing oh. what was it okay it's oh. when mom falls through the ceiling oh that, and, is and that you, for you too oh, no i had a different I yeah see know. that's the thing there's multiple shocks yeah in this movie. yeah no okay so there's like this mystery captive in this kind of like strange location through most of the film and you don't know where she is and you you don't even know who she is and you don't need to either It's like you're revisiting this kind of X Factor mystery character. And then there's a moment where she escapes her bindings because she's kind of like tied up in a really kind of weird bondagey way on the slant of this. Like an A-frame. Yeah, heavily pitched A-frame on the interior of like an attic. So you're like, okay, she's like just tied up on the wall. She gets herself out. She falls to the ground. She takes a step. She doesn't know where she is. And she literally falls through the floor coming down from the ceiling where all the other characters are standing. <laughs> she's like, bitches in the house. <laughs> like, holy shit, she's in the house. My super goop moment. And this was, I already had decided I just fucking loved it, but they're reviewing footage. It's like the mom character and the sister are looking at, you know, Madison's past or whatever on VHS, which they just find it like the first video they find in this box, but whatever. And they're like, okay, we're about to wake Gabriel. Bring the camera around. And so they bring the fucking camera around on this little girl. And it's Gabriel is a fully formed parasitic teratoma twin, like, ah! like <laughs> arms. Full, like I just screamed. I was like, I love Gabriel. I love yeah. this movie. It was fucking <laughs> awesome. <sighs> you know what I didn't think about? Okay. So Gabriel was fully formed with arms and everything. And mm-hmm. I know in the movie they showed, they were like cutting off his arms. Yeah. Trying to sh- but like, how did they get, 
it so back into the girl that she wouldn't even see. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. I feel like that is 100% the part where your brain is supposed to leave the yeah. conversation and yeah. be like, I accept this movie, full stop. The suspension of disbelief has to be there. Plus, she had like really long hair. You know, it could cover scars and like, you know, procedures on your your. I don't know about covering like an entire different human being, <laughs> well, but well, that's, some, that's well, quite like, a lace front. Listen, <laughs> do not try to give, don't try to act like someone had an infant hidden under their wig. Like, they D- chopped it off It was a, a toddler. Of okay, uh, but like, Sherry, it was time to remove the cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, not, they don't even just cover him with the wig. It's so funny. They're like, okay, like, they cut his body parts off for whatever fucking reason, and then I mean, like, ugh, Ooh, they just push his head into her brain. They I'm mushed like, him. I'm like, she dead. They both dead. They, they right. mush. They mush Gabriel's <laughs> face. Like that's when you walk up to someone and you just like put your palm on their face and you just mush their face. You just like push their face in. So the doctors just came in and mushed him right into the back <laughs> of her head. All right. Well, for listeners at home, if you want to catch *Malignant*, and we strongly suggest that you do, because I walked out of the theater very happy. You can catch it streaming on HBO Max or do like we did and make sure you get out to the theater and experience it that way because I think nothing really takes the place of that going to the movie theater experience. We're going to take another quick break and when we return, we'll be reaching into our bag of mail to answer some of our listener questions. Don't move. Available now from Dread, Bad Candy. On Halloween night in New Salem, radio DJs Chili Billy, Corey Taylor, and Paul, played by Zach Galligan, tell a twisted anthology of terrifying local myths that lead to a grim end for small-town residents. So, if you love Slipknot, Gremlins, and horror, this is the film for you. Bad Candy is out now, on demand everywhere, and you can get your hands on the Blu-ray October 10th. All right, we're back, and it's time to move on now to one of our favorite segments of the podcast and answer some of our listener questions. Ian, can you do the honors? I would be honored. (laughs) Bryce from SLC writes, Lately, I have been obsessed with horror movies based in haunted attractions such as Shudder's Haunt, Hell House LLC, and Hellfest. Do you like movies like this? And if so, what are some of your favorites? I'm going to say this is a subgenre of horror that doesn't necessarily thrill me the most, but where I do get those thrills to kind of circle back to Not Scary Farm is to go to actual haunt attractions during the Halloween season, and that's where I get everything that I need from a haunted attraction. Ryan from Manchester, England writes, First, Drac mentioned on the pod a while back her connection with the equally legendary Vampira. I was wondering if we could get some stories about her. I mean, I don't want to say half the stories because I feel like it would piss people off, to be honest with you. I'll just say Vampira was a very interesting woman. She was warm. She was fun. You know, we went out to dinner and we had a great time. We talked from, I think, noon until like eight o'clock at night or something. We just sat at a table and just talked forever. Yeah, I just encourage people to to find out more about her because she's very interesting She gave me a bunch of drawings and writings and stuff that I kind of have hidden away here in my cabinet that I've never shared before that I think I will one day probably. That sounds so cool. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. That's it for now. (laughs) There's a second part to this question. Second, I had the pleasure of watching your New Year's Evil show a while back and was blown away. I wanted to know if you will ever re-release both Theater Macabre and Horror Picture Show in the future. I have searched the internet high and low for these shows to no avail. A part of me thinks I will not die happy until I have seen both of these. 
Well, I want to applaud you in your search because it kind of reinforces the idea that you saw something that you loved and then you went out and you wanted to find it again. But I'm also very excited that you weren't able to find it because we do a very good job about keeping that kind of content under lock and key. We did have so much fun putting those shows together. Like at first when the pandemic locked down and people started doing digital shows, I wasn't sure how I felt about it because it's not something that we had done before. And like an energy vampire, I've been watching a lot of what we do in the shadows lately. Like an energy vampire, I kind of feed off of the energy that the crowd gives me. So without that piece, I wasn't sure how it would be, but we kind of turned it into like an experimental art form experience as like the creators and making the theater macabre and the horror picture show. I think us and you too, Ian, you were part of the production on those. Those were so satisfying. I feel like there's a quality about the production of the Blair Brothers digital shows that I am kind of in love with. Like it was basically we would kind of get together and be like, okay, we're going to film this thing in 24 to 72 hours, like from inception to filming to it's just done. It was like all the creative juices just flowing and us coming together and saying, okay, we're building sets, we're finding locations, we're doing this. And it was just rock and roll, honestly. I really love the digital shows. So I want to answer the question by saying like we haven't discovered the outlet that we're going to reintroduce those shows on yet, but it's definitely something we would like to do soon. Yeah, we're either going to release it on our soon to be announced Patreon or potentially our YouTube channel. We'll see. Mario asks, I've always been fascinated about Ian's surname. Oh, as soon as I heard it, according to my research, it should be of old Dutch or Flemish origin. I would really love to hear Ian talk about his ancestry. Oh my Ian, God. your first point of <laughs> question. I know. Ian's on the origin. Spot. Ooh. Well, we made up his name and grew him in a lab. Next question. Done, ding. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, that is correct. Dutch and or Flemish is what I know to be the truth of De Vogler. I've heard that it has some sort of like roots in kind of like birds and also like bird hunting, which would potentially make a lot of sense as like bird hunting has been a part of my family's like ancestry for a long, long time and multiple generations. My dad grew up in Texas. My mom also grew up in Texas, but was an immigrant. Well, actually was a refugee from the Vietnam War. So I'm half Vietnamese and half Dutch, Irish, Swedish, Flemish, something like that. Tamara writes, because you've already had the contestants get tattooed, would you ever tattoo them yourselves? Like tattoo the competitors? I think that's the question. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Okay. (laughs) I would, but I really don't think they want me to do that because when I was... You've done this before. (laughs) When I was a teenager, (laughs) I don't know why, but my friends and my cousins and everything always wanted me to tattoo them because I would draw comic books and so I was like the artist one, right? But I couldn't tattoo worth shit. I mean, my (laughs) tattoos are awful, like bad, right? So they'd be like, hey, it'd be like everyone's drinking. They're like, tattoo a T on me. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> why not? So I would like get this like homemade tattoo needle oh, together God. and we'd sit there and drink and I'd tattoo them. And they were off. I mean, they were awful. <laughs> they were crooked and like not even even. I mean, I don't know why. And they would just this. Oh, my God. The worst one of all. And oh, no. I apologize now to my aunt and my cousin. <sighs> As an adult, I don't know what he did about it, but he was like a uh, like a sharp skinhead. So a sharp skinhead's like a skinhead against racial prejudice. All skinheads are not racist. There's like sharp skinheads. Well, this is back then. I don't know if there are. Too My skinheads. lace front is truly. Yeah. The Nazi skinheads were the horrible skinheads, but there were like sharp skinheads and straight edge skinheads and all. Anyways, so these were the good skinheads that fought the Nazis. <laughs> are you a good skinhead or a bad skinhead? <laughs> so, you know. A lot of times skinheads would be like the year that you shaved your head first was like monumental, right? So it's like 
okay, that's the year that I shaved my head. So he's like, tattoo my year on my arm and you can put it on a Doc Martin because Doc Martin was like the skinhead yeah. thing. He's like, oh, so you want me to tattoo a pair of boots on you with a year on them? I'm like, girl, that oh, sounds like detail. I don't need to see it. That sounds like <laughs> so, a mess. And I don't mean small either. Oh. So I did this gigantic, horrible tattoo Wait, of a like boot full- that looks like a full-on like Popeye cartoon <laughs> boot. It's horrible. And she loved it. And I'm like, this is garbage, but whatever. So, so they, a long, long story short, you do not want me to tattoo you. Don't ever ask me to do it because it'll be really bad. I foresee an extermination coming up, but all right. I have bad tattoos. on. Well, actually, I think I've covered them all at this point from Most similar friends like that. They're mostly gone, but not all of them. Little ones here and there. Fatima writes, Hello, huge fan. I've listened to every Creatures of the Night episode and rewatched Dragula at least, not exaggerating, 15 times. But anyways, I really want to know what are your favorite movies or shows that aren't horror, like maybe comedy or romance? I don't watch romance movies or television shows. Like, that's probably like my least favorite genre of like anything. Mm-hmm. We watch a lot of trashy reality TV. The more uncomfortable, the better for us. Mm-hmm. So we love 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> we love 90 Day Fiance. The other way, this way, that way, whatever. Before the 90 days, after the 90 days, during the 90 days, in this country, out of that country. I mean, it, it, when, when we discovered the 90 day shit, we didn't know that we were unlocking like an unending Pandora's yeah. box of content. Partially the reason why is because we just like to watch the nightmare. But also, you know, <laughs> as you know, we spend our days working very hard, concentrating on really detail-oriented things. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's nice to just watch something that's just real stupid and oh, easy yeah. to watch. Yeah, so that's one, like, Darcy and Stacey is a spinoff. Oh, my God. We're living for that right family now. Chantel. The Family Chantel. The Family Chantel. Yeah, season two is coming, which I can't wait. We love all the real, <laughs> not all the real housewives. We like Beverly Hills, Atlanta, New York. Actually, New York sucks now, too. We have been fans for a long time. And yeah. Orange County. New Jersey's great. If we were all housewives, we would be Jersey housewives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes we'll jump on the like, you know, whatever's trending as like the new kind of like cool show that's bingeable because we're definitely into bingeable content. For example, like over the past couple of months, we watched White Lotus, Oof. which we thought was fantastic. For those of you that don't understand or appreciate White Lotus for the genius that it is, your opinion is trash. It is so good. <laughs> so you don't good. like malignant. You don't like White Lotus. Get the and fuck out of here. We're currently like binging what we do in the shadows because we have Harvey Guillen as one of the guest judges for the next season of the show. And I just kind of wanted to go back. And that show is fucking brilliant. Like, it's just so fun. What about movies that are not horror related? I love Legend, which is a movie in the Mm -hmm. 80s, which I really, I mean, it's kind of horror adjacent. It's like almost fantasy. Yeah, same thing with Pan's Labyrinth. Kind of horror adjacent, but definitely a fantasy movie, which I absolutely love. Like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Dark Crystal. I love cartoons. I love the whole Dark Crystal series that they put out on Netflix. It was so Someone pulled Zelda string. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love oh. the Dark Crystal. I love the Last Unicorn. I love uh, Fantasy oh, I, Island. I do oh. love the Last Unicorn. No. And I live for yes. Fantasy Island. Mama, Last Unicorn makes me cry. <laughs> What's the one with the like, the like luck dragon? The never oh, ending story. Never ending story. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the never ending story. Oh, wow. Did you know that? I mean, yes. you know you loved it. Come on, Ranicorn. I did like it, but it, it never ending story was sad. It was really sad. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't get over the horse. Like, <gasps> like when Hortense yeah, died like, in the oh, swamp cool. of sorrows. No. Yeah. And their whole world fell apart. I was yeah. like, that's like what happens when everyone becomes an adult. I feel like that's like <laughs> true. That, that right? You saw the fantasy and the like, magic die. Yeah, that is the demon that you fight as you grow older. I'm like, that's what happened to everyone but me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm still in that world, Sherry. Can't you see? You, You're listening to it right now. You, Welcome yeah. back. And, and Zelda 2. <laughs> Not Zelda 2. I love that about comic books. I don't know what it was. Like DC comic books in the 80s and 90s just would go ahead and instead of creating a new character. <laughs> just the sequel character. Like, it's Superman 2. And you're like, sure, everyone would be cool with that. Why not? Hi, Superman 2. How's it going? So that has carried over into our adult lives. Wow. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sequels, I love the show called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And they have this episode called something, something like two, Electric Boogaloo. And so anytime there's a non-existent sequel to something, I'll always say like Malignant 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> My goal is to do this with drag names. Right? <laughs> okay. So what I hope is to one day be like, it's Kendra Onyx too. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Or you could even go higher than that, right? There's like, uh, like, like Peaches Christ seven. Yeah. I, love <laughs> it. I hope it, or there'll be like, like something Christ, like something kind of related. Like we got to make that a thing. Okay. I didn't like Peaches Christ six as much as I like Peaches Christ five. Yeah. Peaches I, Christ yeah. six was a villain. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Definitely. They don't even do drag anymore. <laughs> kind of a weird, they got a really yeah. bad villain at it on drag race Holland. And they're just <laughs> they're like, Oh, yeah. I think she quit drag completely. Yeah, She, hung she looks up good with a beard though. I know she's like, takes steroids and she's like a completely different person. <laughs> it's just a new kind of drag. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for listener questions this week. But please be sure to email us your questions to creatures at bouletbrothersdragula.com to have them answered on the air in the next episode. We'd love to hear from you all. And now it's time to change the mood a little and bring the lights down as we prepare for this episode's haunting of history. For this section of the show, we like to dig up a real-life documented supernatural happening and give listeners an abridged history of the terrifying event. We encourage you to turn off the lights, find a dark, quiet place to relax in, and prepare for a journey into the unknown. If you live in the Southern California area, you may already know about the legendary Not Scary Farms. But for listeners who have never been to the Golden State, the idea of a haunted berry farm may, understandably, sound a little strange. On this episode's Haunting of History, we're going to explore the history behind how this berry farm turned amusement park has become one of the biggest open acre haunts in the world. To walk you through what Not Scary Farms is, you have to start with what it looks like in the day. During waking hours, Not Scary Farms is known as Knott's Berry Farms, and it's a massive amusement park filled with rides, roller coasters, games, shows, and restaurants that's all set to the theme of an old western town. After the sun goes down each night during the months of September and October, the park transforms into a 160-acre open-air haunt that is filled with horror mazes, monster actors, fright zones, and more. Roller coasters run in the dark, the park is filled with a blinding fog, and scare actors are waiting at every corner to lunge at thrill-seekers as they search for the next haunted maze. While Not Scary Farms has grown to become the first, largest, and longest-running Halloween event held within a theme park anywhere, it didn't start out that way. Knott's Berry Farms itself had its own humble beginnings as a roadside stand that started out selling fried chicken dinners to passengers on the nearby highway in 1934. The dinners became so popular that what was originally set up as a small dining room quickly grew into a dining hall that could seat 350 patrons and the restaurant continued to grow. 
The family built an amusement-style ghost town to entertain diners while they were waiting to be seated. But the ghost town became so popular on its own that people were now traveling to the Knott's Farm just to see the new attraction. The park continued to grow into the massive amusement park it is today, but in 1973, the Knott's marketing department launched the concept of a Halloween haunt. The park's original ghost town section was transformed into a Halloween-themed scare zone, and the rides inside the zone were all transformed into horror-themed attractions. The new haunt sold out almost every night, and the haunt zone expanded to cover the entire park. In the 1980s, popular cult icons were also added as performers, including Weird Al Yankovic and Elvira herself, who hosted her own nightly show in the park's theater on and off until 2019. Not Scary Farms has continued to grow over the decades, and the nightly event now generates a hefty 50% of the park's annual revenue. While Not Scary Farms is terrifying enough on its own, one does wonder if there might be something more extraordinary brewing under the surface that would allow a once barren desert patch of land to become such a profitable ghostly attraction. Was Mrs. Knott's infamous roadside chicken dinner recipe so good that it could launch an entire empire? Or is there more to the story than meets the eye? While most of the haunt's themes seem flippant and frequently change, there is an underlying mythos that has been running under the surface of Scary Farm since the beginning, and it centers around a witch who has been tormenting the imaginary calico town of Knott's for decades. One of Knott's newest mazes is called Origins, and it tells the story of Sarah Marshall, a townswoman who was tried and hung by the people of Calico for practicing witchcraft. In the story that unfolds during the maze, the witch returns from the grave to torment and curse the townspeople, and in essence, it's the fictitious origin story of Knott's Scary Farms itself. While we are led to believe the story is pure fiction, it's not a stretch of the imagination to see the similarities between the now infamous Green Witch of Calico and Mrs. Knott's herself. Both are women who traveled to a barren desert town and created something magical from nothing, and both have had the townspeople under their spells for the last few decades. Whether it's witchcraft, an incomparable chicken dinner, or an incredibly horrifying night out at the park, Not Scary Farms is an absolute must-attend for all fans of Halloween and horror, and we encourage everyone to visit at least once this Halloween season. Happy haunting, uglies! Thank you all for joining us for another terrifying episode of the Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night. Until next time, uglies, be sure to follow us on social media for up-to-date announcements on all of our projects, including the Boulay Brothers Dragula, which premieres October 19th on AMC's Shudder and our upcoming Halloween season's appearances. The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is a Dread Central production. Hosted by the Boulay Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre. 